0: Welcome to the CCF podcast we're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Hey, uh, we got a test this morning, and I wanted to take a second we are We are partially we're almost halfway through the semester. I see some newish people here. I wanted to refresh us just on testimonies, what they are, why we do them. So the word, the etymology of the word testoramone, this is entirely a original word to CCF, is a combination of testimony and story. That is, we are wanting to witness to and point to what God has done in our lives through the stories of our own lives. Um, we choose this over testimony because it's just, testimony's too legal, it's too courtroom, it's too clinical and cold. Um, and what we ask people to do is to look at the story of their life and to observe where God has woven a thread through the various experiences, events, people of their lives. Uh, and we ask people to just be very honest about this, and to sometimes. So Frederick Buechner, sorry, I got to sneak it in there. He said, he said. <laughs> He said, "We have to be able to speak about both the absence and the presence of God in our lives." And so, sometimes testimonies involve talking about an experience of the absence of God, and sometimes they involve speaking about the experience of the presence of God, and sometimes they involve talking about moments of like beautiful clarity and vision, and other times it's about confusion. Um, but all throughout, trusting and hoping in the God who is there, looking for the God who is there, and seeing how the or hoping for the ways that God will be there in the future um so that's the test ceremony here this morning we have ella who is <laughs> who is awesome and a part of the international house and also a part of the small group that meets at my house we talk about psalms and all of those various seasons of life so i'm very excited to hear what ella has to say she has a cat you should ask her about her cat sometime ella metcalf
1: well you're gonna see my cat so yes my name is this on i talk very quietly so maybe i should speak loudly that doesn't happen um okay that's not what etymology is by the way read so (laughs) um okay first off family things right okay so that's my sister malia that's my dad my brother-in-law ben my sister hannah me my mom and then my mom is holding my niece Scarlett. i have my niece adeline and hannah has ivory um Malia and I are both adopted, so that's why she's Asian, um, <laughs> Chinese, whatever. Um, okay, the second one. Second one. This is my cat. You know, on iPhones, when you can like copy like the main picture of a thing. Yeah, you can do that in slides too. Um, yeah, she got spayed recently. She was really mad at me. Um, okay, and then third one. This is Mary. Um, this is one of my really good friends. Um, she's been with me through most of this story, and I love her, and that's part of my family. Okay, so titles, Stephanie thinks they're stupid, Reed thinks they're necessary. Um, so we have really weird die alone thing, purposefully. Reed asked if anyone cared about marriage. I don't. And welcome to the CCF sex talk, part four. <laughs> Woo! Okay. So this is Psalm 13. Um, Leanne read this in our small group the first night, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly how I feel. Um, so it says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider me and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep this sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Uh, So I don't know if Stephanie and Reed really knew what they were getting into when they asked me to do this. Um, Some of you may know a few things. I'm going to step back. I don't like how close this is. Sorry. Um... Some of you may know a few things about me, um, and you may not. Um, So first, I am gay, um, or queer is more what I call myself. Um, I've also been pretty committed to the biblical arguments for celibacy for about seven years now. So when I was old enough to realize what and who I was attracted to, I was also old enough to realize that there are things I have to be obedient to. Um, I'm gonna run through a list of what me and those in my keeping believe, um, but some of it might not be more relevant unless you're submerged in the world of queer Christianity and those thought conversations. Um, but that being said, if you wanna, if you have questions or you wanna grab me, um, I'll be at sermon discussion as well. Um, and then as Reed said, the point of a testimony is not to be here to give any official stance on anything. Um, this is what I have found to be true over years of studying and reading and talking um, so, if you are uncomfortable, I ask that you stay present, even if um, to just reflect on your own life and beliefs. Um, so here are some books and things that I like, um, Gay Girl, Good God, um, Jackie Hill Perry, um, Single Gay Christian, Greg Coles, Washington Waiting, Wesley Hill, Theology in the Raw podcast, Preston Sprinkle, um, they're all really um, good books and resources um, about sex and sexuality. Um, So yeah, so here are a few things, Um, so I call myself queer or gay because um, instead of same sex attracted as some would prefer I do because I think that the argument is um, irrelevant. I do not believe that sexuality can be changed by force nor do I think it should be. Celibacy can be defined on a spectrum, Um, however for me that includes being in romantic relationships and things like that. I am not God, and I am not here to tell you that what you believe is wrong. Again, this is what I have found to be true over years of reading and talking. Um, There are many discussions about the origin of sexuality, sexual brokenness, and what that means for people, specifically queer people. Um, I have a lot of thoughts, but no good answer. So what does that boil down to? Um, I believe that there are more biblical arguments for God's displeasure in same-sex relationships, meaning I choose to be celibate instead of pursuing romantic relationships. I think it's also necessary to define celibacy um, versus singleness in this context, uh, because while they do overlap in some ways, um, they're generally different. So for me, it means living more than a sexless life. Um, The relational aspect is included. So that means I am choosing to not date or plan for for a future spouse and family, Um, but this does not necessarily create a lack of those desires in me. Um, It also means that I can acknowledge that I have free will to do whatever I want, Um, but I do not feel like this is a real option Um, Single straight Christians are also called to not have sex before marriage and things like that. Um, And it may be for a long time or for their whole life, Um, but the difference I see is the possibility of choice and change. Single Christians are still allowed to desire romantic relationships, plan weddings, think about their future partner. They're also allowed to enter romantic relationships and so on. Even though I am here and able to speak about this topic, Um, I do not often talk about my own life and considering the choice I make and the beliefs I hold. Um, Actually, talking to any person about this has never been easy. I grew up without strong relational ties towards my parents, and my first reaction to realizing my sexuality was to hide it from them as much as possible. And even now, we have never had a genuine conversation about my sexuality and choosing to be celibate. I grew up in a church environment where queer people were not treated with hatred or hellfire from the pulpit, uh, but issues are brought up in an indirect way. And I seemed to fit in pretty well, passing <laughs> as a straight person who just happened to never date, talk about future weddings, and generally kept quiet on the typical future demands and changes. I also realized that being queer in the church I grew up in meant that if people knew about my sexuality, I would be labeled as unsafe unsafe around the kids I loved to help with on Sunday mornings, unsafe on my, with my peers on retreats and at church camps, and unsafe later on as staff at those camps. Um, in many cases, I was told explicitly that I was only safe because I had chosen to be celibate. Fear of my parents and the lack of good conversation in church or other places created a fear of everyone in me. Um, I could probably count on my hands the amount of people that knew this about me prior to coming to college, Um, and within that handful, only two or so um, stick out as people who could understand me and my feelings well. This fear still exists. I listen to conversations and mentally take note of remarks that either include or exclude me. I am very closed off about my feelings on all sorts of matters and I am slow to correct people's assumptions about my attraction, possible future dating, marriage, and family. But it has started to morph into a curious kind of fear, kind of like what Dear War's first sermon this semester was about, this idea that though we do not know everything and may want to know everything, the correct posture is that of humble foolishness and less about me hoarding all of the books and podcasts and Bible I have read. Though I take my beliefs seriously, starting to leave room for other perspectives and lives is better than walling off people, even in cases where I know talking about my perspective or celibacy will not be treated kindly or even ignorantly. Granted, this is not an overnight shift. College and CCF have been a place for me to connect with like-minded people, even if they are not like me. Polly has listened to me talk and rant over many sunny summer lunches, and Stephanie often joins in on my ranting when we chat about queer Christianity. I am thankful for those who listen and understand well. I'm still learning balance. Sometimes it means that when I finish telling a dear friend about choosing to be celibate in my feelings, I also celebrate when in the same conversation it is her turn to tell me that her boyfriend had promised to propose that month. It means that when I see an engagement announcement or a friend is excited about a talking stage, I am also excited. Or when my favorite person is happy in her relationship, I tell her I am happy that she is happy. It's all true. Um, I don't know if this is still funny, but it's like the internet jokes about women holding everything possible in their hands. You know? It's it's because at the same time, I'm reminded that I will not experience these same joys. And I hold this in the same hand. It's not two different entities or haves. Celibacy is not an easy choice for me. Usually, it is saddening and frustrating. I am sad that I will not experience many things that, genuinely, that I genuinely desire, a wife, a family, children, and all the hard that comes with it. It is hard for me to realize that as I get older, my friends will get married, have families, and shift their priorities from relationships to those things, which is all good and normal, except I won't be doing the same. And I am sad that I will eventually become less important. And it is frustrating to live a life that can be isolating and hard for what seems like no good reason sometimes. But as the psalm says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. My choice to be celibate and other parts of my life have not been easy, Um, but it's this verse and others like it um, that serve to make us remember the goodness in life and from God, this remembrance is what keeps me. So where does that leave me and us? Um, I think that while most people are not called to celibacy, um, all Christians should live lives according to what is called for them Um, obviously these past few chapters of 1 Corinthians deal with this, um, this one aspect of how do we live lives, um, that we are called to, um, when they are colored by sexuality and its pitfalls and mistakes. Um, so, to paraphrase Paul, let us all then lead the life which the Lord has invited us to. Um, as Reed said, um, oftentimes Uh, testimonies are about seeing God and um, I am not here to tell you how to suffer well um, because I don't myself Um, so I do want to end this is very short Um, well we're going to end with Psalm 13 again so it says how long O Lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me.
0: Thank you, Ella. Uh We head into uh, the part of service each week now, where we take communion, where we remember uh, the Lord and His body being broken for us, and his blood being poured out for us. I'm reminded of Philippians chapter two, which talks about embracing limitation and setting aside uh, what might otherwise be uh, that We are all in our various ways called to set things aside and we follow the example that Jesus set for us in Setting aside what might have been his for our sake uh, To be poured out for us to be broken uh, For us and that it is something that is done for us and it also becomes a mode of life that we are called to in the world Um, and that is Regarding our sexuality and regarding many other aspects of our lives, uh, and so for this, for us, this time each week is uh, designed to remind ourselves of that, but also to take that, <laughs> in a way of speaking, to take that way of life into us. We consume it and we go out with it onto uh, our, into our uh, dorms and our classrooms, our apartments uh, with our classmates and roommates and all of that. Uh, that setting aside. Uh, for the sake of the Lord and what whatever God desires for us and for what he desires for the world through us as uh, what we are after um, And so this uh, this morning you will be uh, Invited to come down. Um, you'll be dismissed The way it works here is you'll you'll come through one side or the other and tear off the bread Dip it in the cup and then return with it uh, in your hand to your seat and I'll instruct us all to take it uh, Together and so Kevin will uh, Dismiss you to come and take